This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson, hello Charlie Clawson, how are you? I'm good, Will. Uh, I feel like I feel like I'm acclimatising to the current state of things. I feel like where I live in Sydney, people are acclimatising. You know, I was railing, railing last week against people not doing proper social distancing, especially joggers. But I feel like in the last seven days, there's been a real shift. I've noticed that people seem to be taking, paying more attention to that. Well, people had to eventually start paying more attention to it, didn't they? Like, so I guess they were either going to completely disregard it and then everybody would have gone, well, what's the point of me fucking being at home if nobody else is going to do it? Or people had yeah. to get their shit together. Well, I think there's also been more enforcement of it. I mean, in New South Wales, I don't know what it's like in the other states, but definitely I went to the... Because I've been trying to order as much stuff as I can online in terms of groceries, but I had to go out yesterday. It was unavoidable. And my local shopping center, which is not like a mega shopping center, just a little shopping center, but they had like, there was more tape on the ground than any set of any TV show. There was marshals in high vis keeping people spaced apart. There was hand sanitizers and rubber gloves getting handed out more than an orgy. You know what? You know what the weird thing is? When you said more tape on the ground than like the set of a TV show, you were of course referring to the fact that they all have tape on the ground for markers and stuff. But for whatever reason, my mind went to like, uh, you know, maybe because I've watched a lot of Law and Order, but like the tape around bodies, I was like, what's happening? happening at your supermarket are there like deaths are people stabbing each other to death with toilet paper and i had this image of all these taped outlines of people's bodies at your shopping center do they still do that i mean i would have thought like chalk around the body but that is probably too like that's it that's too old-fashioned so i don't watch a lot of procedural dramas do they is it is tape taping around the body still a thing well i don't know if it is still a thing maybe i'm remembering it from well you just era. said you just said law and order though right yeah, you're, ta- you're taking it from your when you watch an episode of law and order all episodes of law and order blur together they live in this weird reality where things do get updated because of technology and stuff like the storylines sometimes revolve around it but there is this sort of uh, eternalness about the police precinct at, at you know in Law and Order, where it feels like it's been the same era for the entire thirty years of the show. Well, you feel like with modern technology, putting tape or chalk around a body seems archaic, right? Yeah, Podcast true. Mike, can you just do a bit of research for us and find out? What forensics do when they get a body these days? If they still use tape or chalk, yeah, or, I mean, I imagine outline. that there's an app. What is it? An app. You there's an there's app, an app for it. There's right? an app for that. <laughs> body app, body body outline app. 
It's C H L K chalk.com. You guys on chalk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my phone. I've got chalk. Yeah, it's the latest app. Well, you, you see those little numbers. Like when there's. I, uh, my recall of police procedurals is when there's a shootout and they'll go to casings and bits of evidence and they'll put down little numbers oh, yeah. so you know, you know where things are. Yeah. But the actual body, I wonder. I mean, they still have to know where the body is once the, the, the ambulance has taken it away, right? So what do they use? What do they use? Like, I mean, well, maybe it is... A Posca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does, all those years of tagging has finally come into good use on the world's best Posca. I was going to say, that's what bank, that's what Banksy's up to. That's why he has to keep his identity secret, because today he's a forensic <laughs> psychologist. All right, so nowadays it is not done anymore. With improved crimes and investigation techniques and technologies, the risk of contaminating mm. the scene is too big. I imagine during COVID-19 that's even a bigger issue. Instead, some markers, flags or little signs are used to mark uh, various evidence. And, of course, investigators themselves take a lot of pictures with the body in place. But movie creators are still sometimes using this interesting trope. You don't even need actors to play dead people. Right, okay. So it's mainly for TV that they use chalk around the body. And I guess that, I mean, you would have now like 3D camera, not 3D cameras, 360 degree cameras that you could go to a crime scene, take a photo of the space. And then if you need to refer to it later, like, okay, he's right here near the bookshelf. And I imagine that you're probably not far wrong. That it, like, I mean, I imagine they have proper cameras for it, but there probably is an app. There probably is something you could do on your iPhone with the right technology installed on your phone that would get you all the photos and much more effectively than putting a chalk line around it would anyway. If that's your if that's your bottom marker of what they used to do, anything that's an improvement on chalk line around the body is an improvement. And what would they do when someone a body was found on grass or whatever? Do you just <laughs> nah. dig a dig a dig a you can't use chalk then. <laughs> no. So what do you dig a a hole around? And they get out the whippersnapper and they would <laughs> They would mow the lawn in the outline around it. That's what they would do. This is a problem I can identify with because I've been doing this um, back back when I used to exercise. Sorry, know, guys. Yeah. We're going to have to drag the body to the nearest concrete <laughs> because we only brought chalk. So I know it kind of defeats the purpose, but this is the only technology we have. Well, when I've shot like TV shows outdoors and you need to find a natural mark, like they can't put tape down or something because it's a wide shot or whatever. Generally, you will grab some twigs or leaves or something like that and drop them on the ground so you know where you're meant to stop. So I imagine the cops did the same thing. They'll just grab like a handful of leaves and like maybe sprinkle them around the body or something like back that. Backburn. Backburn a ring. Back <laughs> out the caro and backburn yeah. a ring around yeah. the body. Yeah, we want to preserve the crime scene. <laughs> Don't invite Will down. <laughs> To mark the body because he'll burn the evidence. Right up. on lawnmower. <laughs> so. Well, I've been. This is a problem I can identify with because I've been. Well, prior to COVID nineteen, I, I would do this. Uh, I would do some exercise in the park, and I would do. They're called suicide runs, Will. It's like a shuttle run, but you do it over a longer period. So over 50 metres, you'd run 10 metres, run back, then you run 20 metres and run back, then you run 30 metres and run back, 40, run back, 50. So I would go to like an oval near my place. And I needed to mark the ground, but I didn't really have anything. Like, I don't have witches' hats or anything like that. So I'd take Tupperware down to the park with me. <laughs> I got to take five, like, uh, clip box Tupperware containers, and I'd use them as my witches' hats. And then I was like, this is a bit silly. So then I started trying to find stuff in the park, like twigs and sticks that I could use. But when I was doing my runs, I 
found it hard to identify. I couldn't see the twigs of the sticks. They were blending in to the grass. But I found the perfect solution. Fluorescent clothes pegs. <laughs> they're small enough that they're not obtrusive. They don't get in anyone else's way. But you can spot them when you're doing your, your suicide run. I mean, is, is that a good business proposition? Is that something that you can come up with? Is that like your business that will come out of the... You know, I imagine there are going to be businesses born out of the quarantine period. Maybe this is going to be your, you know, sort of band that you can exercise at home with. Yeah, what, clothes pegs? <laughs> Literally, it's just clothes pegs. Well, but um, you rebrand it in some way is what I'm yeah. saying. They're the fitness ones. Like, they're made specifically for sticking into grass, you know, and you, they cost like $4 extra, but they're made in the same factory. That's where your profit margin is of your business. I'll see if I can get Dr. Dre to license the Beats logo, and it's exactly. like Beats... Beats exercise pegs. Pegs. Exercise. Ex- exercise pegs. Pegs by... Pegsercise. Pegs by drag. <laughs> Could you have pegsercise? Does that work? Pegsercise. I don't exercise. I pegsercise. Yeah. I don't exercise. I pegsercise. That's you in the ad. <laughs> like That's you demonstrating the project in the late night ads originally. So it's got a bit of that uh, sort of like... Oh, right, yeah. you, you want it, the blue you blockers. got it. You chop it, you eat it. <laughs> If you want it, you got it. You chop it, you eat it. Use your legs. Yeah, use your legs and your pegs. <laughs> Power through your legs and use my pegs. Oh, at the start of the infomercial, there's a guy being te- teased for having peg legs. Like he's not very good ah, at running and everyone's like, he's a, he's oh, a pirate. come on, peg legs. Oh, it's peggy, peggy, peg legs. And then he gets the pegs and actually gets the rebranded peg legs, which is what you're doing, right? But it- but a peg peg leg is a wooden leg, right? When you call someone peg leg, you're referring to their wooden leg. Yeah, but I believe. I, but what I was, I guess, saying was that their legs appeared wooden. You know, like in that they they ran like they had peg legs. I wasn't implying that they indeed had peg oh, legs. Right. The nickname that the other kids had appropriated was because they looked like somebody who, like, as in. When you called a kid Frankenstein because he walked funny, you weren't suggesting he was literally the monster created by Dr. Frankenstein. You were suggesting that he resembled the monster created by Dr. Frankenstein. Was there a kid at your high school called Frankenstein? Uh, I believe there was a Frankenstein. What was the most, like, um, what was the worst nickname that was just accepted by someone at your school? Like, did anyone have a nickname that was just like... Fats... Dickhead or something like that. Fats Alexander. Fat Alexander? Fats. Fats Alexander. Fats, yeah. Brett Alexander, I believe he's... Yeah, Brett. Sorry, my mind went... But was he he a popular kid or was he being bullied with that nickname? Bit of both. As in, like, I think it started with a bit of bullying and then, like, he was... He, he, like, I think became well... You know, well liked, you know, kid at, at school. So I think it became affectionate, yes. But like it's, I reckon it was one of those ones that started with a bit of cruelty and then got adopted in an affectionate way rather. But it's still like, I can't imagine that when, even if that's being adopted in an affectionate way and like you're like a bigger kid, that you like having that nickname. Even if you well, eventually kind of get yeah. used to it or kind of adopt it or own it, it, it probably always starts with, I prefer this wasn't happening in the first place. I prefer I don't have to reclaim this. Uh, you know, I'd prefer just not to have this trouble in the first place. Yeah, there's. A, I mean, I've told this story before. There was a kid at my school whose nickname was Hoover. And 
Because of cocaine, he did a lot of cocaine. No, did so much cocaine, and it could, and like in retrospect, it could have been a setup. But his older brother claimed that he came home and saw him sticking his dick in a vacuum cleaner, and we just accepted that as truth. Like no one, ver- no one tried to verify <laughs> whether or not that was a, that actually occurred. But he just became Hoover. I mean, my, my entire four years of high school, I just remember that guy. I don't. Know, I actually am trying to recall what his real name was. I have no idea. He was just Hoover. It was just like, oh yeah, of course, he stuck his dick in a vacuum. He's Hoover. That would be our that would be our award winning uh, podcast series that we would never have the time or resources <laughs> to actually do. But we sort of go back and do a deep investigation on childhood mythology, and we work out yeah. whether the things are true. It's like a MythBusters of people's childhood stories. Yeah. Well, there was another kid whose nickname was Morph, but I think he had like he was he was hearing impaired, and so sometimes he would. When you'd say something to him, he wouldn't hear you the first time, and so people called him Morph because they're like, he's like he's sedated. And I was like, I said, is it? I don't know where that sat with him in terms of. I think he maybe it was a bit like your mate Fats Alexander. I think it started off where it was an insult, but then he owned it. He ended up being like, yeah, he took Morph to be this thing that he moved at his own pace and he did, worked at his own pace and did his own thing. The last game of football I ever played in my life of Aussie Rules football. Uh, was ended when Brett Fats Alexander fell on my leg and I broke my leg. <laughs> so it was a well-earned nickname then. It wasn't, you guys weren't just... What well, didn't come from nothing is what I'm saying. Yeah, I was going to say, if he gets upset about me mentioning it on the podcast, I've got some x-rays I can show. <laughs> what was the incident that he fell across your legs? No, it wasn't like a like, Nathan Brown style break. Um, I had gone back to um, the country. My brother was playing footy in the country still and we were living together in Melbourne. And I'd just mm. gone back to watch him and then they were short in the seconds and I was still registered down there from growing up down there. And they said, do you want to play? And I wasn't particularly, at, you know, peak footy fitness, but like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was all right for a run around. And uh, yeah, so Brett, uh, we went up for a mark and he just accidentally fell on my leg and... Uh, Anyway, the coach, I, I like, couldn't run. And the coach thought I was being weak and like completely went to town <laughs> on me and destroyed me and me like, you know, what a joke I was and how I used to be a great, good footballer and I just let myself go and I didn't give a shit and blah, 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 blah. And like really had a fucking go at me. And then like eventually I got off the ground, could barely fucking walk, um, drove back to Melbourne that night in a fucking manual car, changing gears the whole way and tried to get out of the car at the other end and couldn't stand up. And uh, went oh to the God. hospital and they went, yeah, they, the reason you can't stand up is because your leg's fucking broken, you idiot. So <laughs> anyway, it was an underserved spray is what I'm saying from that coach. It's pretty rich that you fill in, like you help them out uh, <laughs> and they have a go at you. Like I don't It was know a that, proper that... spray too. It was a real like, like went to the heart of who I was and how like, you know, I was living <laughs> in the city now and I was all soft and like. <laughs> You know, oh my god yeah it was real rough and it wasn't what i needed at that time when i just sort of i always have mixed feelings about going home you know for just a bunch of reasons and um uh particularly at that time i'm trying to establish a new life in you know melbourne and stuff and i'm mm. you know i'm probably not at the peak of my mental health and you know optimism about my life at that time and uh then i go back to the country and i fill in in this game and i get my leg broken by a dude i used to go to high school with and i can't fucking walk and bloody 
the coach gives me a spray on the way back. I drive my Barina back to Melbourne, uh, get my leg in a cast and still make it to the party, which was the reason I wanted to get it back to the Melbourne that night because there was a girl that I fancied and this was going to be like the first time that we hung out was at this party. So I ended up at this party in a fucking like full, not full leg cast, a caster, like a lower leg cast and yeah, hobbling around on crutches at a party. It sounds like you're, real, you're a real peg leg, Will. <laughs> in fact, that's maybe why that came so immediately to mind is because from then on people called me peg leg i had a similar experience with a coach but it was a passive aggressive attack and it wasn't during a game it was at the is at the the best and fairest uh pie night because i'd had a in my last it was my last year playing club football i've still played high school football but my last year playing club footy and i had a really tough year because i had all i got a bit of a slight bit of scoliosis in my back and so i was having all kinds of back issues all year and only could play, I'd play like two games, then I'd have to have like four weeks off and then I'd play another terrible game and have six weeks off. And I remember my mum, because she kept having to take me to all these like specialist appointments and she was like, I don't know that you should be playing football. Like, I don't think your body's built for the rigors of athletic endeavor <laughs> because, you know, this, you're 16 years old. I shouldn't be taking you to all these like hospitals and specialists and physiotherapists and shit like that. And I remember I made the mistake of telling my coach that. And so... I remember at the pie night, um, they counted out the votes, like from round one to how many rounds we played. And there was a big whiteboard and they would and mark up. You know what white. I like also, just when we say pie night, is that like, I know that we have a lot of American in particular listeners, listeners <laughs> of this podcast. And all that must conjure up is this idea that the local football club, they like all make like, you know, all these elaborate cream pies um, and to bake sale pumpkin pies and like <laughs> nah it's just meat pies and cans of coke that's that's all it is <laughs> vb for the adults cans of coke for the kids but they um there's a big whiteboard up with all the players names and as we went through the rounds they would mark up the three two one votes or the five to one votes i can't remember what the what the scoring was but it was humiliating because the further we went through the rounds, everyone was getting at least a vote in a game. And my ledger was just empty, 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 empty. I only played about half the season, but in some of the games, I wasn't that bad. But still, it was just like empty, empty. So it gets to the end of the last round, and I'm the only player in the team to have not polled a single vote for the entire season. And so the coach, in giving out the awards, like the best and fairest and, you know, the best clubman and stuff, decides to make special mention of me. So calls me up in front of everyone and then just does this passive aggressive speech about how I'm a real mummy's boy and my mum didn't want me to play football and that I'm still here and it takes real guts to show up even though you're a mummy's boy. <laughs> it was just like, I remember it was like getting roasted by a comedian. Like I just had to sit there while he just went through like what a pansy I was. And it takes real guts. I mean, this is... Like, this is I'll, I'll just actually have to have a little break from my speech so Charlie can be breastfed because <laughs> he's a mummy's boy. It was just like, it was no can of Coke for Charlie. <laughs> he's still breastfeeding because he's a mummy's boy. It was just like, why did why did you even... Like, if you, they would have known the votes. Why even, like, invite me? Like, just bring me up there just to humili humiliate me. So, yeah, that was my last uh, game of club football ever. <laughs> My last experience of club football. <laughs> uh, Jared Leto. Oh, yes. Leto, Leto, Leto. Who Leto the dogs out? So, uh, Jared Leto. Joe. Uh, we spoke about um, a, a couple of episodes ago on this podcast about the idea of the Illuminati and 
Jared Leto and his place within that world. And then, well, a lot of people sent me this article. Mm. Jared Leto has started a cult on an island and his followers call him Prophet. Right. Now, I didn't know anything about this. You sent me um, a little message about this during the week. And so I read one article and they give themselves a name, right? Is that contained in what you're about to read? They have the his cult, they call themselves the Echelon, I believe? Yes. Okay, great. Continue. I think I think that's what... Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to, to it. To, there's, there's a lot of information okay. here. Uh, who knows how reliable any of it is. Uh, this one uh, is from... Um, we're going to start with, uh, uh, I reckon let's find a credible uh, resource here. So, um, all right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, this one from uh, Tone Deaf in the Brag, uh, which is a, a sort of a, an Australian publication that, uh, you know, does pretty reliable music news and entertainment news with a bit of a cynical eye or like a, right. you know... Street culture eye, is that fair to yeah. say? Yeah, and, and look, to be honest, the article that I browsed this week, not from the brag, had a similar tone. I believe that if you're a music journalist and you're given a story to write about Jared Leto, they all have a similar view of Jared Leto and his involvement in the music world. Well, this one I liked because it wasn't completely snarky and felt like it had some information. So okay. uh, this was inevitable. It looks like stadium rock band 30 Seconds to Mars has finally started a cult. Jared Leto has made it quite obvious that he believes himself to be a messiah-like figure. Mm. Now it seems as though he's transformed that radical concept into a fully-fledged reality. This year, the band hosted the inaugural Camp Mars Europe. For four consecutive years, the band have hosted Camp Mars Festival in Malibu, California. The three-day festival allows fans to hang out with the band, engage in classic, <laughs> to sleep with the band, <laughs> yeah. to do drugs with the band, to do ayahuasca with the band, to sleep with the band, and engage in classic camp activities like hiking, yoga, ayahuasca, meditation, ayahuasca, meditation, <laughs> hiking, and Orgies. some ayahuasca. While also... Enjoying a live performance from the band 30 Seconds to Mars. Ugh. Not not optional. <laughs> <laughs> the European installment of the festival took place at Mars Island in Croatia over August 9th to the 12th. Relax and restore with yoga amongst the trees. Take a dip in a pool, catch a midnight, midnight screening or gaze at the stars and catch two intimate performances with 30 seconds to Mars. Just, just before you go on, Will, uh, my, Podcast Mark, maybe you can do a bit of research on this. Let's play a little game. Um, Podcast Mark, if you can look up their top three selling singles, whatever their, their biggest three hits are, um, can, you na- can you name one pod, uh, podcast? Can you name one 30 seconds to Mars song? Um... Uh, um, All right, that's a no. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that I can. Let's guess. Let's guess what the names might be. Um, all right. So podcast markers look up their top three okay. highest selling singles, and you and I are going to try and speculate okay. what they might be called. Okay. 
All right, he's got the top three songs on YouTube. So I'm going to say the first one is called um, uh, 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 In Your Eyes. Oh, good. That's very good. Um, uh, <laughs> that's a no from Podcast Mike. Imagine nice. brackets, imagination, close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, I'm going to say there's a song called... Um, uh, uh, eternal touch. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, no podcast, Mike. Eternal touch. Is it called Eternal Touch? Uh, no. Reincarnated <laughs> scarf. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say um, beautiful tragedy. Oh, hang on. Okay. Oh. Mike has okay, just told us that uh, I was perhaps there was some uh, we were maybe going in the right direction with brackets. There might be a brackets. Okay, all right. So not imaginary brackets. Yeah. Okay, so um, love like there's no tomorrow in brackets. There is no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay. Hope brackets the ballad of Billy Boyd. Close brackets. <laughs> Hope, open brackets, the ballad of Tom Boyd, Bulldogs Premiership player, close brackets. (laughs) Uh, Eternal Sunshine, uh, brackets of the Eternal Mind, close brackets. Well, I get the feeling with 30 Seconds from Mars, having never listened to their music or anything, that at all, they're kind of like you, they're like you two light, but everything has a kind of sense of like, you know, we can all do this and unity and, you know, you know, people rising up and the revolution right. starts here. Love Revolution. Is there a song called Love Revolution? Uh, no. World, world, world song. So, world, brackets, world song about <laughs> world song. Brackets. A song about the world. A song about brackets. the world. All right, Michael, maybe uh, reveal the first uh, YouTube song. Hang on, did you, you give Michael a Michael just then? Was that your first? Oh, shit, sorry. Call your new oh, girlfriend no. by your old girlfriend's name? I'm so sorry, Mike. The Kill Bury Me. Ah, it was 154 million views on YouTube. Oh, my God. Those guys must be making so much money. Um, sorry, it was called The Kill the Kill in open brackets, Bury Me. Oh, man, that's their moody emo track. I bet you there's a lyric in it which is like, You took my heart and I locked it in a box. I fed it to a fox and now it's burnt to ashes. <laughs> okay, Mike, what's the, uh, what's the second track called? Closer, closer to the, to closer the to the edge. Uh, we were not. I don't feel we were a million miles away with the stuff that we were kind of saying. I mean, we were in the right genre. We just weren't getting the word specific. What was the last one? Uh, hurt me, hurt you. Closer to the edge. Is that is in the guitarist, the edge from you too? As yeah, we are. That, that's that's the inspiration the from you too. They'd like to be closer to the edge. <laughs> this is this war. Is war. Ah. Oh, God, I knew it's everything's like revolution and rising up and ah, oh, fuck these guys. All right, let's go back to the article. Oh, this, I'm primed now. This is war. 
And the war is against the band. 30 seconds to Mars. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, the photos depicted a collection of 30 seconds to Mars devotees all clad in white, clinging on yeah. to the almighty gospel of Jared Leto. Leto himself has fully embraced the comparisons he gets to Jesus Christ and is now apparently oh. sporting a toga-like robe. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, have I, right. before you go on, have I ever told that this Jared Leto story I heard from someone happened to her? And look, this is going to be allegedly, maybe she was lying, but you know, I don't know why she would lie to me. This friend of mine, American girl, told me this story about <clears throat> 30 Seconds to Mars came to her small town and her best friend was a massive fan. And so they went to the show. And during the concert, um, a uh, security guard came up and said, hey, would you guys like to come backstage and gave them the AAA passes? And so they got to go backstage and meet the band and they got invited um, onto the tour bus. And so they got onto the tour bus and Jared was there and the other band and stuff. And, you know, Jared was like, hey, you know, why don't you get, can we hang out in my bedroom and we can watch some DVDs or whatever. And both the girls were like, no, no, we're cool. You know, we're just happy to have met you, but we think we're going to go. And so Jared was like, well, I'll I'll come with you. Where, where are we going? And they're like, oh no, we're just gonna we're just gonna go back home. You know, we're gonna get ready for work tomorrow or whatever. Some small Midwestern town. So Jared got in a huff that they wanted didn't want to hang out with them and insisted on coming. And so they got into the back of their Mitsubishi Mirage or whatever with Jared Leto in the back seat. And they were driving around, not sure where to take Jared Leto in their small town, which was mostly closed after dark because there's no bars or anything. So then Jared Leto insisted that they go through McDonald's. <laughs> so they had to go through McDonald's drive-thru or he ordered some food. They paid for it and then they had to drop him back at his bus. This is, firstly, what the song This Is War is all about. This was what the inspiration, this night was, that's what the song, you know, this is war. But secondly, yeah. they didn't meet Jared Leto. They met a homeless guy who looks like Jared Leto, who realised he was onto a good con if he could just hang out by the 30 Seconds to Mars bus and some idiots would take him to McDonald's. That's what happened. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the backdrop. Uh, he, he's, they've had this island festival, all pretty yeah. normal up until this point, right? And how did this not turn into Firefest? I mean, this should be the subject of the Firefest 2 documentary. What's it called, the festival again? Mars Fest. Mars Fest. But here's where this gets more interesting. Okay. Because last week, the week before, a new rumour started to sweep Ooh. the planet. And this rumour was that Jared Leto was creating a cult with the goal of saving his followers from the coronavirus. What? Uh, last week, Leto revealed on Instagram that he'd spent 12 days on a silent meditation retreat, as we yep. you know, talked about on the podcast in the desert and only learned about the coronavirus pandemic when he returned home. This inspired NW to run a story about the actor creating his own cult on a commune called Camp Mars, where he'll bring followers to refuge. A source tells the magazine, Jared already has a following for all his meditative beliefs and genuinely feels he's a prophet. He has been hosting religious retreat, oh retreats on his God. island for over a year. So firstly, the, I was like, oh, Jared Leto's got an island. But he feels there's no time to get people there. And he's encouraged anyone who will listen to him to follow him and make his journey into his commune 
deep in the California right. desert. I'm going to have to open up Jared Leto's Instagram page to see if he's posted any kind of manifestos or anything like that. So he's got the look, yeah, definitely, yeah. right? He's wearing the robes. He's doing some dry practice runs on these festivals for a few years and luring some people to his island just to get ready. That's his pre-season camp. He's been waiting for a pandemic to break so that all this work he's put into place, getting himself in the perfect position to be this like savior yeah. for people. He's got 154 million people who've been like, you know, enjoying his manifestos on Spotify and YouTube and, you know, these sort of things. You know, they're ready to be, this is a guy who's, you know, he's an Oscar winning actor, you know, he's a rock and roll front man. He looks like Jesus and he's going to lead us to the desert and he's going to save us from the plague on humanity that is the coronavirus. And I reckon he picked up the wrong messages from being in right. Fight Club. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like he was like, man, this all goes back to when I was working in that house making all that soap, you know? Like, I feel like this is where my... And, but everyone's like, Jared, that was a movie, man. No, I mean, I, I, you weren't there, man. You don't know. <laughs> now, looking at his Instagram page, it seems to just be a lot of photos of him giving the thumbs up and having, like, viewing parties. They had a viewing party for Star Wars. They had a viewing party for the Tiger King. I mean, he does look like a cult leader. That's that. That's no. But there's, um, there's no manifestos. All his stuff seems. Okay. Well, that's what the that's what the Scientologists do in LA, right? They have movie nights at the Scientology place right. and go in and sort of like check out what it's like and be like, "This is a cool place. We do free movies." Okay, so here's a black and white photo of him. You know, looking very Jesus-like. He's wearing a T-shirt that says "Love is Madness," which sounds like a Thirty Seconds to Mars song. <laughs> Absolutely, their fourth and- biggest selling song of all time. His post is, I hope everyone out there is safe and sound wherever you are. I'm sending good thoughts and energy your way. I'm locked down and practicing social distancing over here, and I hope you guys are staying put and doing the best you can to protect the people that you love. I miss you. Hashtag stay at home. Well, there's nothing too kind of radical about that message, is there? No. Well, in fact, that's the sort of message that Jesus would say, wouldn't it? Be like, you know, it was that message of us all being together, but like there was a, you know, a little bit at the back end of going, but this is what I tell, am telling you to do, which is stay at home. I, I understand you. I miss you. I empathize with you. I am your leader, giving you these comforting words right now. But now my commandment to you is stay at home. Mm. I mean, before this all kicked off, so six weeks ago, he, he took a photo of himself up on Runyon or Griffith Park, somewhere overlooking the city, and he says, years ago, I wrote a song called City of Angels after coming home to LA after a long tour. When will his originality end? <laughs> There's something mythical about Los Angeles. It certainly has been a magical place for me, not necessarily because the has landscape... It, has it ever been called that before, the City of Angels? Is no, never. a term for it. Amazing. <laughs> Not necessarily because of the landscape and the weather, but because of the community. It's a group of like-minded people that come together and look for ways to make the impossible possible. Mm. Like-minded, very good-looking, super rich celebrities. And all the people who serve them. Los Angeles. The land where it's good to be the people at the top. Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, All right. He posts a lot. I'm going to keep going here. So... um, all right, so yeah, yeah. Uh, the alleged insider goes on to say that Lido is promising people he'll protect them from the COVID-19 virus through the power of his own thoughts. The unknown tipster adds, it's insane. Even Jared's own family members and friends 
are distancing themselves as far as possible from him. He feels he truly has the power to change this thing, but only for an elite few. And he started enticing people with his star power, insisting he's been sent by God to save the world. I mean, it's sort of probably how prophets did feel back in the day. Like I imagine that, you know, 2000 years ago, if you were a narcissist, you would feel like you're appointed by God and you would start talking to people as if you knew exactly what was going on and having this Messiah complex where you felt like you could save people. The only difference is in current day is that is reinforced through social media and huge paychecks and, you know, adoration for millions of people around the world. So I guess it makes sense. Firstly, here's what I would say. If Jared Leto starts his own cult, how mad is Russell Brand going to be? Because they have been like sprinting towards the the line of starting their own cults. And I I feel like there's only room for one bearded man with his own new cult. You can't have like Russell Brand's cult and Jared Leto's cult, can you? Because they're just, there's going to be some crossover. You'd imagine there's going to be some crossover there where some of like some of them would lose market share to the other if there was only you had to be only in one cult Russell Brand's cult or Jared Leto's cult I don't know that Russell Brand takes himself as seriously as Jared Leto seems to every time I see Russell Brand's kind of you know do he's one of his missives or whatever he always seems to be very aware self-aware of his position of privilege and influence whereas I don't know with Jared Leto I think I think it's hard to it's hard to know it, it, because he's projecting an image. The thing about not having a publicist control all this stuff, like I sent you a link today of um, another group of celebrities getting together and singing and dancing in order to alleviate people's spirits. <laughs> and I'm like, this is what happens when entertainers or specifically like actors and stuff go out without the benefit of writers, producers, editors, publicists, <laughs> you know, when given like unfettered access to the public. This shit gets created. It's like, why are you doing this? What are you doing? Who do you who do you think this is helping? What are you doing this for? So there's there was one that was put out by Australian celebrities two weeks after the Imagine one came out, which you would have thought was about two weeks, you know, long enough for people to realise that the Imagine thing hadn't been that well received by people around the world, and perhaps it was a little tone deaf of a bunch of celebrities, you know, you. Know, kind of thinking that the thing would help people in this tremendous time of pain and impact and insecurity was like a video of them all singing the song Imagine in different keys in their fucking luxury resorts that they were all living in. Somehow people didn't see that that was going to be a bit tone deaf and then missed the entire two-week backlash to that and went, how about if it was Australian celebrities and we were singing Lovers in the Air? And... I don't mean to diss any of the people who are in it because I understand the impulse that if someone asks you to do something nice on behalf of other people, like, you know, I bet people have done things with the best intentions over the years that they did not know that were going to, you know, and maybe there's even some people who watch that love in the, lovers in the air thing and were, um, you know, it did make them feel better. Maybe there is those people. And if, the, if there was, then that is a perfectly legitimate thing and I'm glad you got that joy out of that. But, And there are many people on that that I know and like and I don't mean to in any way, but... It, oh, Charlie, what? 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 <laughs> it was... What? And the Sam yeah. Neill bit of it, because I love Sam Neill, but it looks like he isn't even in it and they've just chopped in 
bits of his like regular Instagram feed because he's not singing the song or like and they run out of celebrities after the first verse and so it's all just the same celebrities in the second verse which says to me a lot of people didn't return their emails and phone calls when they went around and went did you guys not see the imagine thing there's no way i'm getting involved in this well i look i agree with everything you said i know a lot of the people in that video and i like them personally as well but I just sort of feel in this time, I, I'm part of a lot of WhatsApp chats and, you know, group emails and stuff where people are sending videos of themselves doing yeah. silly things and fun things to kind of alleviate boredom and, you know, show a bit of solidarity and stuff. But that's people, you know, <laughs> friends of yours, you know, who maybe are aware of your situation and, you know, like they're not going to send you a goofy video if maybe you've been going through a tough time, or whatever. But this idea that, well, everyone's going to want to see this. This is going to help everyone. I'm just like... No, 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 no. Just keep that. Like, just those celebrities should just send it to themselves. Like, send it to each other. It's a fun thing for you guys to be entertained by. But this idea that it's like, and it's not even for anything. Like, I could get it if it's like, hey, you know, this is raising awareness for this charity or, you know, donate to this or blah, blah, blah. Like, if there was some kind of link, I'm like, all right, well, that makes sense. Like, we're all making a goose of ourselves for the greater good. But I didn't see any link to a charity. I mean, having said that, I didn't didn't go the, all the way through the video. Maybe there was a link at the end to a charity. If not, there should the be. The link should not be at the end because nobody's making the end. There could be a link that says, call this number for a million dollars and they will never need to give away a dollar from that charity because nobody is ever making it to the end of that video. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against, like, entertainers putting out entertainment. Like, but if you're a singer, like, you know, Briggs and Tim Minchin doing that music video, great, awesome. Two really great musicians, two great entertainers, but they're doing what they do. But I'm not sure I necessarily need to see a newsreader, like, you know, dancing around their living room, singing into a hairbrush or whatever the fuck is going on right now. And look, you know what? If you have a TikTok, have your TikTok or whatever, that's fine. Like... I, I have nothing against people doing these things. In fact, I think there's probably heaps of positivity to people doing all these things, rediscovering a bit of fun of life and, you know, playing a little bit more, you know, rather than working all the time and, and being silly and remembering how in dark times silliness is actually a very important thing, you know, that we're all kind of getting back in touch with. Like, you know, there's a lot of fucking really serious things that people are facing, but like the idea that those who haven't lost a lot are just having fun is one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's one yeah. that is hard to shake. Even with the best intentions, it's hard to shake. Hang on, um, Ramona's uh, going crazy. All right, let's take a little break. Uh, Charlie just asked me, we, we were having a little break because I had to wrangle Ramona back up into the house and I'm living in the country now and... Uh, you just asked me a question about ticks. You said, uh, yep. what's the deal with the dogs and ticks? Because I was saying they've got a little bit more sort of land to roam around and explore. And uh, so, um, yeah, that's a worry. So we um, have them on medication to prevent that. There's pretty good stuff you can get now. So they're on that. Um, and we do, you know, a pretty thorough sort of check of them, just, you know, regularly, daily, you know, whatever, just to look, which we would anyway, just in naturally, you know, kind of, you know, yeah, giving a back rub on the couch or whatever, but you just sort of do it in a bit more methodical just to make sure. But um, the hope is this stuff is pretty effective, they say. So, um, but we're just being overly cautious because you may as well be. But anyway, I um, had a pretty shitty day a couple of days ago because my uh, my nan died, oh. which was really I'm sad. Sorry, you know and, that. Um, 
Yeah, thanks, man. Um, uh, it was really sad. She's uh, she was ninety seven, so Good innings. you know, like. Yeah, she had a, a great innings and she lived at home until about uh, a month ago when, when she went into hospital. And so, uh, but I didn't get to see her uh, one last mm. time because I wasn't allowed to go and visit before we moved, obviously, because of everything that was going on with the pandemic. So that sucked. And then, you know, she obviously died and I, I can't go to the funeral mm. and we can't have, you know, I can't travel and we can't really have a memorial. Or, and she was a very loved and respected member of the community and the church and stuff. And so it's sad that they can't have a you know, celebration of her life. And so all that stuff was just a bit, it was a bit of a, I was feeling a bit shitty anyway. Um, so, you know, like, I mean, most of it had been about like remembering her and celebrating her and all these sort of things, you know, like she's 97 years old, you know, it's a, it's amazing life. And, uh, but she had always been very close to us because she had lived on the same property as us all our life. So we never went to visit our grandparents like that side of them. They were always just kind of part of our family. And in fact, my mum, this will be the first time pretty much in her life she hasn't lived on the same block of land basically as as her mum. So it's going to be wow. an incredibly different thing for her. So, um, and she's like, you know, it's 30 years or whatever since my uh, you know, Pa died, and so she's been by herself, independent woman, like just living at home, and you know, and just doing her thing for like all that time. It's it's a very admirable woman, and you know, I I, I yeah, we were very close, and Amy really loved her too. So um, it had been a hard day, and so I went to bed that night, and I was I was feeling pretty. I had this weird pain in between, like where heartburn would be and a stomach ache would be. It was like literally just below my rib cage, and but it had that sort of heartburny, like or just some tightness sort of feeling. And I was just like, I was probably just stressed from, you know, what I'm feeling or whatever. And I had this horrible night's sleep, and and I woke up the next morning and have a shower, like really quite early, and I take off my shirt and I have a tick. So just under my rib cage, there was like a paralysis tick that had like... Oh, uh, my God. So it had probably only been there for, I guess, five hours, but that's still a lot. How full of and, blood was it? Well, it wasn't... I think it was a baby. All right. So I think that means that it wasn't probably... If it had probably been a, a bigger one, yeah, I might have been in a lot more trouble than I ended up being in because I just... I mean, you can get disease and stuff from them and some serious diseases, but um, fingers crossed that won't happen. But also... Um, I feel fine. I felt shitty that night. Like it, when it was happening though, when I didn't know what it was, I was like, oh, this is a very unpleasant feeling. But once it was out and whatever, I felt. I and felt how did okay. you, did you use the tweezer thing to get them off the special tick tweezers? Oh, no, we don't have special tick tweezers because ah. I did not think about this being, a, we just use regular tweezers. Right. See that, right. So right there, that's where your value is, Charlie. That's like your peg thing. <laughs> yes, you could do it with the ordinary pegs, but you with your rebranded pegs, yours is essentially the fucking ticks tweezers, the $4 extra, but do the exact same fucking job as regular tweezers, tick tweezers. Yeah, pegsercise, pegsercise. Yeah. Tick tweezers. Um, let's get to some mail. It's been a long time since we've gone to the regular mailbag. Um, we've had so many shout outs. Uh, we may uh, get to some more shout outs in the coming weeks, um, but there's a lot for people to check out. You can go to our previous two episodes and check out the episode descriptions if you want to support, support some local business. Uh, this is from Aaron. 
subject, Clayface Joker type movie. Hey guys, on the bonus episode, Too Much Dancing, you both talked about other Batman villains that you could do in Joker type movies. And I was thinking about a Clayface type actor drama, or maybe a body horror, about Basil Carlo's troubles as an actor would be interesting. You guys can talk about who you would cast and how, how the whole arc of him becoming Clayface would play out. Mike, uh, can you do a quick Google search on... Um, Clayface, I don't really know much about that character. Um, okay, so Clayface, just a little backstory on Clayface. The original version of Clayface, Basil Carlo, first appeared, blah, blah, blah. He's a B-list actor who's driven insane when he hears that a remake of a classic horror film he'd starred in, Dread Castle, would be shot without him acting in the film, even though he's about to be one of the advising staff. Donning the costume of Clayface, the villain he played in a different movie, he begins killing actors playing characters he killed in order, blah, 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 blah. blah. Okay, all right. So, I reckon you'd cast someone, you'd, in the same way that they cast Michael Keaton in Birdman to play an actor who was once a famous superhero, I reckon you would cast an actor that was once a famous, like, horror villain or something like that. Like, I'm just trying to think who that would be. Uh, who's a famous bad guy actor who's famous for playing a bad guy? Like... Hannibal, no, he's too old. Anthony Hopkins is going to say Hannibal Lecter. Freddy, Freddy Krueger, Robert England. Um, who's the most famous kind of monster movie actor? We don't really have one these days, do we? Not really. Um, like maybe, but the problem with Freddy is that it just he feels a bit too comical. But yeah. maybe that's the thing, right? Maybe that's the whole point: is you're rebooting somebody in a instinctively I go to Willem Dafoe for this because I think Willem Dafoe's played enough kind of villainous characters and he is a brilliant actor and he strikes me as the kind of guy who could be like a character actor. But he was, he was the Green Goblin, right? Yeah. We can't that cast him in this. I don't, I don't want him to be like the Green Goblin and also another one, another character. In a, but like doesn't a, that make it sort of like more meta that, you know, oh, there's a guy who was famous for playing a villain is now playing a villain in a film about a villain, movie villain? I don't need it to be more meta. I'd like, I'd like it to be a little less meta. All right, less Let's meta. just get the basics right first. Well, who would you... Who, who, okay, then strip away the horror element. Who would you cast as an actor who was once famous, who has since, you know, fallen by the wayside? You need to grab an actor, like someone who's in need of a comeback, like a... Oh, that's a good one. Mike's just put in a great suggestion. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. I reckon okay. that's You're great. not necessarily known as being like a bad guy actor, but he could... He was once definitely... Hugely famous. Once super famous. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see him as being like a B-movie actor too. Like, because he always, like those sort of adventure roles that he played, like had a, a bit of that old school B-movie kind of feel to them, didn't they? 100%. Like his versions of The Mummy and all those sort of things were kind of good versions of that style of that era show. So that makes a lot of sense. And in that remake he did of Bedazzled, he played like a bunch of different characters. He can actually, he's a good character actor. Like he can play... Yeah. All these different characters. So I reckon he'd be good as an actor who sort of takes on all these different roles. Yeah, it's a good one, Mike. Okay. Doing good. Good stuff. <laughs> all right. Our next uh, email is from Steve. Uh, the subject is Charlie's Weird Breakfast, um, which just to recap is sweet almond eggs, where you take uh, eggs, you beat them, you add oats, you fry them, scramble them in a pan, you add almond butter and cinnamon and top them with blueberries. Mm -hmm. Fair income, fair income bellissimo. 
Steve writes, I've been looking all over the internet for Charlie's weird egg and oats breakfast. It doesn't exist. I'm pretty sure he's making shit up. I'm not making it up. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. He's scanned the entire internet and he cannot find any trace of this thing. Well, I did not even from references on this podcast. That's how you've made this up. I didn't make it up, but I mean... All recipes are made up, essentially. Someone had to fucking think of it somewhere. It was made up by my trainer. She was the one who uh, recommended it to me. Yeah, but all recipes are made up, yes, absolutely, by, by professional makers up of recipes and people who can cook and construct and things like that. That's like saying all songs are made up and then you just grab a guitar and just start <laughs> yeah, strumming different notes and yelling words and go, that's a song. That's how Jared, that's how Jared Leto writes a song, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> there you go, that's a song. In fact, that's the number one single they have. It's called That's a Song. <laughs> I hate you, Dad. That's a song, Buso. Um, no, it was uh, my trainer, Anna, when she was devising my, uh, my program, she... It's, it's a, it's a, I think in the bodybuilding community, maybe you should widen your search to bodybuilding forums. It's a high-protein, low-carb breakfast with essential fats from the almond butter. So that's where you'll find it. And again, it's delicious. Don't knock it till you've tried it. Bloody, open your mind. It's a not bit. delicious. It cannot be delicious. It is delicious. You just describe the ingredients to me and you've forgotten what delicious is. You know what? Here's the thing. We're what? all very different <laughs> and our taste buds all respond to different things and I shouldn't be judging no. your standards by what I would find delicious. I'm just saying I wouldn't find that delicious. If you find it delicious, then that is a wonderful thing. M writes in, uh, subject, Melbourne Comedy Festival and podcasting. Your voices bring joy when the media is filled with COVID-19 and we should be boosting our immune system with laughter, joy and happiness. Thanks. Not a doctor, but a healthcare lawyer. Where does that fit into our... Uh... For the good guys or the bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sad to miss the two versions of Will's shows at uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival but it's the right choice. Uh, cheapest side effect, free pain medication. Uh, I have as a Patreon. I love it. Keep up the brilliance, M. Well, that's good stuff. So she's supporting you through the Patreon, um, which is good. If you want to support us through Patreon, you go to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. A lot of people have contacted me to say they f it's hard to find TOEFOP on the Patreon. Uh, it is, yeah. I'm not sure why that would be. I can find it easily every time I've searched for it. Maybe it's uh, you've got to do it, search for it in a lowercase or maybe you've got to capitalize it. I don't know. Look, we're in the middle midst of rebooting our website. And when we have our new website, there will be a direct link on our new website to our Patreon. So that'll be a lot easier in time. Um, all right, this is from Ricky. Hey, Will and Charlie. My name is Ricky. And I've been listening to Tofop for about three years. I even love the back catalogue, probably for the flaws rather than despite them. <laughs> That's a very charitable assessment. The last two episodes of Tofop, 282 and 283 at the time of this email, have been absolute roller coasters of emotions for me. In 282, I got so excited when you started talking about Perfume, which is one of my favourite movies. And it was influential in sparking my deep passion for film. What started as excitement turned into mild frustration when the conversation devolved into an Adam Sandler remake. But hey, it's Tofop. 
Unfortunately, the mild frustration quickly morphed into a burning rage as the synopsis of Perfume was almost completely passed over for the inane chatter that would otherwise have brought me joy were it not for my passion surrounding the subject. I was left feeling confused and betrayed. Well, just for those who haven't heard episodes 282 and 283, 282, we uh, reimagined the movie Perfume as an Adam Sandler comedy about a guy called uh, Stanley Snoutley, <laughs> a guy with an enormous nose. Uh, falling in love with a woman, also played by Adam Sandler. <laughs> uh, then in episode 283, the love that you showed my beautiful city of Adelaide had me swelling with pride for our cultural scene. Everything you mentioned loving about Adelaide is everything that I love about living here. The arts, the culture, the food, the nightlife, and the piece de resistance was when Will said that he would invite Terry Pratchett to his dinner party. Pratchett has been my favourite author for almost 18 years and his death was the only time I've ever cried over a celebrity death. Five years on, I am still mourning the loss of what feels like not only one person but dozens, knowing I will never have a new Discworld novel. Thank you all uh, for all the laughter over the last few years, and I'm looking forward to binging more old episodes during my impending lack of employment due to coronavirus's effect on my hospitality job. Thank you, Ricky. Well, you'll enjoy my new book series, Ricky, Plate World. (laughs) Scotty writes in, subject, not exactly a doctor, not quite an orderly, but I hope an essential worker. Do you think there's a limit on words you can use in your subject line? That's That's the first sentence of an email. Feels like a Tinder bio to me. <laughs> hey, Tofop, just to let you know, I'm a patient service assistant, in brackets, kind of an orderly. <laughs> I mean, if you're kind of an orderly. Like, is, yeah, look, I don't know much about the hospital hierarchies, but I would have thought orderly was kind of like down there and then to not even be quite an orderly. I'm like, well, really? What is that? Well, so what is a, pa- a patient's... What? Service assistant. Patient service assistant. A PSA. Um, a patient service... Serv- oh, my God. Just orderly. Just say orderly. Kind of an orderly. Call him ki- kind of an orderly. You could call him a coa. Kind of an orderly. Kind of an orderly was Jared Leto's first band. <laughs> uh, you keep me entertained while I keep on sanitizing theatres at hospitals, and this keeps the doctors and nurses saving. Again, Tofop entertaining the health industry, and in my opinion... Tofop is also an essential service. Mm. We keep him laughing so he keeps you sanitized. Doesn't have the same ring to it. Uh, Josh writes in, Hey Tofop, two colon fop. A few episodes ago, Charlie mentioned auditioning for Round the Twist. Well, for all the Tofop fans who want to relive their childhoods while in lockdown, Round the Twist can be found on Amazon Prime. Jesus Christ, I'm assuming Josh is an employee of Amazon. My memories of the show are it was great after school entertainment. I'm not sure I want to ruin that memory by rewatching it as an adult. I also won't be seeking out the Miraculous Mellops. You're welcome, Josh. Do you know the Miraculous Mellops? Did you ever watch that? No, never heard of it until this moment. Hey, there have I. It's from Martin. Uh, subject origin story. Hey there. We've heard your real origin story about how you guys met, but if you could make up your own, perhaps Joker style, how would you two have met? Also, in Mad Max style, what would your roles be? Love the show. It's a great, uh, it's great in a world gone mad. Cheers from Denmark. Ah, my other people, the Clausens are from Denmark. Um, all right. So if you had to retcon uh, how we met, what would you, what would it be? 
um, we were at some uh, like Lip Bat- Biscuit concert. <laughs> no, Batman style. Um, it's like a, a youth camp, like for okay. like your mum. Your mum's decided after you've got that dressing down from your uh, coach about being a mumsy's boy that yeah. you, you suddenly have to get some hardening up. It's the equivalent right. of sort of military school, but right. just for young... Boot young, camp. Yeah, boot camp for young softies. men who need a bit of a... You know, Little pansy softies. <laughs> exactly. And old Tubby Anderson's also arrived there with his smart mouth and he's... Uh, I love it. Thinks he's funny. Thinks he's yeah. funny. You actually... You're charming and funny. You're, you're actually funny, but there's this like guy who thinks he's funny, this tubby guy, this Tony Soprano, <laughs> tubby Tony Soprano yeah. type who thinks he's funny that I've heard about. And we become mortal enemies when we have to compete against... Because there's some competition at the end of this, which is a series of skills. So, yeah. like, there's a physical component, but there's, like, a, a mental component. We have to put on some sort of show, whatever. And, like, we become arch enemies competing against each other at this sort of like decathlon of like, you know, camp events, but eventually get bonded over the fact that we have more in common rather than the fact that we should be, you know, competitors to each other. We become friends and start a podcast. (laughs) It's the classic uh, Batman v Superman. We start off uh, hating each other. We fight for a bit and then we become mates. Sorry, we discovered that both our mum's first names are Martha. Martha. And then we become best friends. Um, all right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of TOEFOP. Uh, as mentioned before, the best way to support the show and the people who work for our show is to go to patreon.com where we've had a few sponsors pulled out because of the COVID-19 situation. So uh, crowdfunding is the best way to keep the show on the air and to su- show your support. Um, again, we understand that times are tight. If you can't give anything, that is fine. There's other ways you can support the show that don't require uh, financial contribution. You can go to our YouTube channel. Um, I've just found out that Lessons for Life has been accepted into two more uh, comedy film festivals, the Portland Comedy Festival and the Houston Comedy Festival. So you can check out Lessons for Life on our YouTube channel. That's available. Every episode is available right now. We should go to the Portland one. It'd be good if we could travel. Amazing. And if either of us had the money and you didn't have a baby (laughs) and all the other reasons we couldn't do it. But like... But, you know, let's just say that we could have done it and we could have gone to Portland and just rocked into town. They're like, well, it's not really appropriate that people, this isn't actually what, no, 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 we're here. We've traveled all the way from Australia, expect to be treated like really big stars. (laughs) We'll charter the Ruby Princess. We'll get all the way over there. Yeah. Just fucking act like big wigs. Uh, The whole time I'm like, I really had nothing to do with this. (laughs) Uh, There's lots of other videos there you can check out as well. Uh, what's the other thing? Oh yeah, there's also um, Redbubble, redbubble.com uh, slash Mr. Foz. That's yes. uh, James Fosdyke. All his great artwork is available on merchandise up there. You can get hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, a whole bunch of great stuff. Um, so that I'm drinking today out of my Everyone Relax mug, which I- is perfect for these times of not being relaxed. Get yourself an Everyone Relax mug. You are really good at supporting our show. You've got a bunch of t-shirts. I need to get more merch. I mean, I've got some art work and stuff that I need to get framed but I, I keep thinking like down the track down the track I'll get it done but maybe I should maybe take a leaf out of your book and start getting some more Tofot merch I've been wearing my everyone relaxed stuff I've got a few everyone relaxed things and I've been wearing them a lot more and I do think it is there is a part of me that's like 
No, it's comforting during this time to be in my everyone relaxed gear. But it's also because I'm not really seeing anybody else and I can just wear the merchandise in private. And you don't have to explain what a toe pop is. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, well, it was nice to talk to you, my friend. Yeah. I'll um, You've got, well, be safe and well. Moat as well? Oh, yeah. So uh, speaking of Briggs, uh, as we mentioned in this episode, uh, Adam Briggs did a song with Tim Minchin and he uh, has come on an episode of Philosophy, which is the first brand new episode uh, that I've recorded post-COVID-19 because uh, I had some banked pre-corona and I've still got a few of those up my sleeve that I'll release in the next few weeks. But uh, I thought it was time to check in. Uh, and so Briggs is back for his third appearance on the podcast. That's the first person who's three. made three appearances, I believe, on the podcast. And... Uh, it's a really great chat about how that song came together, uh, the response to it by most people and then by some conservative people, uh, what Briggs is getting up to, how he reacts to something like this, you know, what he's doing, not live performing. It's it's a really good chat about the, you know, touches a lot on the idea that it was just announced, you know, like if you're over 70 in Australia, don't go outside. If you're over 50 and Indigenous, don't go outside. And everybody just goes, yep. yep. And no one ever goes, hang on, is it is weird. it a massive problem that there's 20 years discrepancy between the life expectancy nah, of those two groups? So fine. we get into all that stuff. So it's a really uh, fun episode. So check that out, Philosophy. Uh, and I also just want to let people know that uh, as of Monday, Osher and I are back recording season two of Dad Pod. Um we're trying to make it a bit more organized. We've actually got like a, a, we've scheduled out an entire season of what we want to talk about. So uh, if you like Dad Pod or you haven't heard Dad Pod, maybe get into the uh, season one. You can listen to it and then uh, season two will be coming very, very soon. It's great. It's it's uh, I've, I've really enjoyed listening to it. So I'll be glad that that's coming back. Speaking of things that are back, uh, Two Guys, One Cup, our uh, AFL podcast, we're still doing episodes of that. And uh, I have brought back Fofop. So there's been two episodes of uh, Fofop so far. Uh, both with Justin Hamilton, but there are some other guests, potential guests that I'm speaking to. So I, I would say there's going to be regular-ish episodes of Fofop for a while while we're all in lockdown as well. Check all of that out at tofop.com. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.